Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hi, I'm Charlie, and you're listening to a very special episode of Hometown Glory. I'm today joined by one of the UK's very best screenwriters. He's written movies including The Ritual, My Days of Mercy, iBoy, and the newly released Encounter, which is available to watch on Amazon Prime Video right now. Uh, he's written for TV shows including Beaver Falls, Humans, Our World War, Troy, Fall of a City, and one of my favourite shows of the last decade, Giri Hadji. He's also got a few disgustingly exciting projects in the pipeline that I'm going to quiz him on in just a little while. He is, of course, Joe Barton. And Joe, welcome to Hometown Glory. It's so nice to talk to you today. How are you? I'm very well. Thank you, Charlie. Thanks for having me. Oh, it's our pleasure. Um, how are you, how you doing in the run up to Christmas? How's everything your end? It's all sort of fine, man. Um, I think I've got, I've got almost all the presents I need to get. I've had my food delivery. I've got some work I still need to be doing, but I'm, I'm like almost there, almost there. Good, good. I saw you um, on Twitter talking about wrapping presents, which had, yeah. which sort of put the fear of God in me as I remembered that yeah, that yeah. is yet to come. Um, are you a good rapper? Uh, no, <laughs> not particularly. I sort of, um, uh, and I forget every time I have to do it and, and I can do, like I can wrap a book, do you know what I mean? Like I could, like a, <laughs> it's like a simple shape, but as soon as you throw uh, anything like a mug, or uh, just any sort of slightly, like, if it's not an oblong, I'm not wrapping it. I'm not wrapping it. Well, no, but we did. We did a whole sort of wrapping day yesterday. We watched um, the Lord of the Rings movies because for some reason, I just find them very Christmassy. Um, I don't know why. Sort of kind of regressing to sort of childhood status or something. But yeah, we did a whole wrapping day. Watched some Hobbits. It was great. Did you watch, which ones did you watch? All, all three of the Lord of the Rings ones? Or did watch, you go I into the Hobbits as well? The first, no, it didn't actually make it, well, no, it didn't actually make it the Hobbit trilogy. We watched the first two, so we watched Fellowship and Two Towers. Oh my, okay. we got like, we didn't finish the two towers. They're long, man. Those films are like four hours long. <laughs> so we were doing like extended editions. 
I was going to say, your your kids are in for a very nice Christmas if you got through two whole <laughs> yeah. Lord of the Rings stuff. <laughs> yeah. Um, um, I want to say congratulations on Encounter. Um, I watched a couple of weeks ago and was just gripped throughout the entire thing. You must be thrilled by the response it's got. The reviews have been terrific. Uh, thanks, man. It's got, yeah, there's been some really nice ones. It's like with anything, I think you get a, you get a range. It was nice that Mark Commode liked it. Mm. Fan, fan of his um i sort of like i moaned like i slightly moaned at him on twitter like i didn't like i passed regret he like tweeted um he tweeted a nice thing about the film and he called it michael pierce's encounter michael pierce is another director and, was, and you know when you don't think someone's going to see your tweet so i like quote tweeted him i was like oh i wish like critics would stop like just great just crediting the directors and he's really nice he like came back and like apologized and he's like mentioned it twice on the on his um on the on like wit entertainment and stuff i obviously just looked i felt really bad i felt like i was being really sort of grumpy and like a dick <laughs> to him. but um uh, but yeah it was like he liked it and and, and you know empire magazine and stuff like that so yeah no no it's good it's been it's been nice um i know keeping that film particularly spoiler free is really important but <clears throat> give our give our listeners a little sort of elevator pitch for, for the film if you can oh uh okay it's um about um, a man um, played by Riz Ahmed, uh, Malik, who uh, absconds with his uh, estranged children uh, that he hasn't seen for a while, um, warning them that there's an extraterrestrial threat that he has to protect them from and takes them on a, on a road trip across America. And uh, that's really all I can say, but it gets too twisty. I would, yeah, I, I would have stopped you in your tracks had you said any more because I think it's a film that you need to um, you need to watch yourself uh, and almost you know just read the the lovely positive stuff. Don't read too much about the plot because it's a film that unfolds itself in a really quite surprising, um, pretty beautiful way. Actually, I wasn't expecting the way that the the, the father son relationships, particularly, I thought was uh, was written really really beautifully. So congratulations on that, Joe. Um, uh also tell me a little bit about Giri Hadji. I have to ask because as I said at the top, it's one of my my wife and I have just been re-watching it and I was saying to you before we jumped on, um, before we started recording, just how well that series stands up on a second watch. It's it's absolutely incredible TV. Um tell me, is there any chance of it coming back and with another network or it seems to be like one of those series that people have held so close to their hearts and I know online there's always a sort of buzz anytime that you mention it and people have speculated as to what a second season could look like. I mean, I think yeah. I saw you once talk about a sort of tacky Rodney spin-off, which would be spectacularly uh, wonderful. Yeah. Like all, all, all <laughs> these, all these amazing things could happen. Is there, is that, and I know we're going to go on to all the incredible things you've also got lined up. So, you know, free time isn't, isn't particularly something you're flush with at the minute, but no. is there any chance that it could get revived at some point? I don't think so, man. I think it's really dead, which is like heartbreaking because um, I really loved it. And I, re I was really proud of it. And, I, and it was one of those sort of amazing experiences where it was sort of like, I just, I mean, sometimes you can enjoy working on something and the end product not be, you know that great or anything but it was one of those ones where it was such a sort of life-changing experience to make and then the final you know we were all just really proud of how it you know how it turned out as well and yeah we were all very um yeah we were gutted it got it got cancelled quite quick quite quickly then um i just don't think it ever quite 
uh, took off on Netflix. I mean, Netflix were like, um, because it's a co-production between Netflix and BBC, they, they, they tend not to sort of push their resources into those as much as their sort of pure originals. So it, it, it kind of sort of fell between the cracks, which is, you know, it happens. It, it, not, not every show can be Squid Game or Bridgerton or like one of these sort of breakout successes. And unfortunately, it just didn't get the, the numbers. So I don't think, yeah, I don't think it will come back. But I did, why? The other day, I don't know, I did look at like the, because um, we had the whole second series planned. I may have just to torture myself. I sort of found the document. I was like, oh, I can try and remind myself of what we were going to do. And it was, yeah, I was like, oh, yeah, it would have been, yeah, it would have been good. <laughs> I think it would have been really good. But yeah, it will exist only in my, <laughs> in my mind. Why, um, why do you think it, I mean, well, let's forget the numbers. Why, why do you think for a lot of people, myself included, um, why do you think people sort of have held it so close and people have latched onto it? And it seems to have this, sort of long tail with people discovering it and getting really really into it why, why do you think that is um well i don't i mean i suppose i would hope i think it it's probably the characters i think were well drawn and well brought to life i mean ultimately the thing we did was um i mean we essentially smuggled in a, a, a like a sort of arty kind of character drama under the under the guise of a, a, a crime thriller and then we sold it essentially as a yakuza sort of london based you know crime mob show and it starts with all these murders and, and there's like a bit there's a thing that needs to be solved you know but we quite sort of quickly did away with it um and it and and i think people and then people i've spoken to anywhere that you know that everyone always has a, a character that they particularly sort of latch onto or a group it's essentially a found family show essentially about these lost characters that come together and form a little unit and I think that is something that people always respond really well to because I think I don't know whether you know we've, we all have our our groups whether it's our actual family or our friends or people that we've you know you know held on to or football teams or whatever you know little our little clubs and and families and and, and places that we sort of are, are drawn to and I think that's kind of what the show is about so I, I don't know I think um Maybe it's that. <laughs> People just like the like like the uh, like the gunfights. Maybe I don't know. It's that, it's that weird thing of like you, you try and recreate something that's been successful, but you, you're never entirely sure what the sort of magic ingredient is. You just have to try and you know try and replicate it. Um, one question I had for you: Which Spurs player is Kenzo, and which is Yuto? Do you think? <laughs> oh man. Um, well, okay. So Kenzo. He's very, uh, well, he's outwardly conservative and sensible, but has an in, in, inwardly as a, a dark secret and is, and is capable of, of, completely, of completely sort of blowing everything up himself. He's quite like secretly anarchic, but outwardly sensible. Who would that be? It's like sort of a Hoisberg or something. Or like he's sort of like a central defensive midfielder, but, but also like an insane one. Like I try, I try to think who we've had. <laughs> He's like I was, my. I was I was thinking Hugo. He was he was mine. Oh, okay. you know, that sort of stoic kind of leader yeah. puts everyone on his back, but you know has a certain a darkness to him. But has a man like when he attacks Son. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I love that bit in um in the All or Nothing documentary. There's that bit where they basically the team get told off for being too nice, and they were like, "You have to treat, have to you know put more in and be nastier." And I lo- their reaction to that was was Hugo like 
screaming at Son at half time, and then Eric Dyer basically kicked like if he injured Son, or so like their reaction to be let's kick the nicest guy on the team, <laughs> fuck him up. Um, yeah, maybe Kenzo would be Hugo. Yuto would be like he's a sort of young, out of control, uh, kind of does whatever he wants. Who would that be at the moment? Who have we got? Regulon? I don't know. Maybe that's unfair on him. He's like sort of, he's, he, he, he is an agent of chaos. Like he, everything he does essentially makes things worse. So he's Sanchez. <laughs> I, don't <know>. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Sanchez, yeah. Maybe, maybe like Tongi perhaps, but yeah. I feel like he's maybe a bit too kind of high energy for, for like Utah's a bit too high energy for yeah. Tongi perhaps. I can't <laughs> see, I it. can't see, I can't see Tongi being kind of, generally asked to do half the things that Uto does. It yeah, was no. like too much like hard work. So perhaps not there. Yeah, yeah. maybe maybe Davinson's the one. Um poor old Dav. Poor old Dav. Um <laughs> and I was gonna ask you, well I am gonna ask you to tell me a little bit about upcoming projects as well. But um about 10 minutes before we started chatting, I was reading on the Hollywood Reporter uh about well celebrating your 2021 and looking ahead to 2022. And I feel like this sort of captures all the exciting things that you've got coming up there. So I'm going to just read from it. Um, it was 2021 in which he suddenly seemed to transform into one of Hollywood's most in-demand writers and become headline news with a flurry of major announcements at the start of the year, seeing him tap to lead the writing team for HBO Max's upcoming The Batman spin-off set in the Gotham Police Department and pen J.J. Abrams' Cloverfield sequel for Paramount. A seemingly ridiculously busy January on the news front also found time to have Barton's eight eight-part action thriller Extinction starring I May Destroy You breakout Paparestadu greenlit by Sky just a month after Netflix announced his adaptation of YA book series Half Bad which he's exec producing with Andy Serkis. Joe I mean what the Christ. <laughs> <laughs> yeah man there's some exciting stuff going on that was like Last January, I think that everything got announced at once. There was like a week where I was just putting all these stupid projects on Twitter, and I think that you know when you, you know when you've got like you can be happy for someone for like up to a certain point, and then I just, <laughs> just like texting me like stop it. Uh, no, so that was yeah. No, it's been a nice. Well, it was a good year in terms of yeah, get, getting stuff off the ground, and it's been a very um, it's been very busy. <laughs> It's been, it was fun. Like, it was that thing. It was like, it was really fun, like, telling everyone about these projects. And then I've had like 12 months of working on them. It's been like an exhausting, but, um, but yeah, man, that's all. Well, so we've got the, um, yeah, Extinction, which is actually, we have to, we've had to change the title of that because some mad fucking guy is like, he's, there's this guy who's written his own, he's written his own script called Extinction. He's like this right. banker that lives in Switzerland. He wants to be a writer. He's trademarked the title. He's threatened to sue him. So we've changed it to, um, it's going to be called The Lazarus Project, which we haven't announced okay. yet. But that's an exclusive. I don't know if we're supposed to talk about it. But I don't think I'm thinking about it. Um, but that's, yeah, so that's a sort of time travel action thriller that's going to be on Sky. And I think that's going to be in like, yeah, March or April or, or something like that. We're just in the mix on that at the moment, which is, yeah, and that's really exciting. Yeah, Papa's the star of it. He's amazing. I mean, mm. and, and, and all of these things that he's done, he's just like sort of, we were so excited to um to get the chance to work with him. And, and he's, yeah, he's just like magnetic, man. He's great. And, but we've got a great cast of that. Um, Anjali uh, um, Mahindra is in it. And we've got um, uh, Tom Burke. Tom Burke's playing a character called Rebrov, which is why... Tottenham reference 
<laughs> that's he's playing this villain um red bro um so yeah so that would be cool and then we've got half bads coming out on netflix which is like a sort of uh it's like a sort of ya book adaptation about witches that live in britain sort of slightly younger skewing but that's actually really fun we've we've just been starting to put those episodes together now only wrapped recently had our wrap party on the beginning of december turned into a bit of a super spreader event unfortunately <laughs> coronavirus okay. um but yeah so that's good i'm really excited about that as well and then yeah man batman spin-off and cloverfield and and all that stuff which is you know i mean any of anything like you know we'll see what happens with the, and if, these big projects in hollywood you could you could be doing you know you, you they can all be going well and they'll fall apart or that you get fired or something will happen but at the moment it's all it's all great and i'm really uh yeah it's 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 quite surreal it's been quite a surreal year doing all that writing. These I can like, imagine. Are you are you going to have to go out to LA and do all that sort of fun stuff at some point? I guess so. Yeah, I, I, yeah, I, I didn't obviously this year because of everything that's been going on. Um, but I, I've only ever been out there once. I went. I was out there just before, um, just before COVID really kicked kicked off. Um, but I haven't been back since. But I guess yeah, we maybe have to. They keep sort of talking about the. You know the Batman show. Whatever happens with it, like if we if we get it going, whether that we shoot in London or New York or Pittsburgh or something. So I'm like curious to know where I don't have to go and live somewhere else. Maybe I don't know. I don't know how it would work, but we'll see. <laughs> and I mean, these are projects where and I know Giri Hadji was obviously a very much a sort of showrunner situation, but that talked to me a little bit about that difference between writing something and kind of handing off your baby, if you like, to all these sort of big film producer types and having to sit back and see what they do with it, as opposed to that responsibility on your shoulders as a showrunner, which, which do you prefer for a start? I probably know the answer, but which one? I, bef- I, I mean, I prefer having creative control. Yeah. Um, I mean, that's sort of the name of the game. I think uh, it, it, every project's different. There's a massive difference between doing TV and film. That's that for me is the big, is the bigger difference rather than, necessarily the you know whether it's a hollywood project or a british project or whatever mm. and tv versus film uh, as a writer in tv you're sort of expected to be more creatively you know involved so you know something like um you know giri or um any of these other sort of tv shows like you know I'm, i i write them and i sometimes get other writers on as well but as you write them you know and then you'll be involved in like casting hiring directors you'll be in the edit you'll be talking to composer all this stuff and but in film it's like you write it and then you're you just hand it over and then you're gone it's like this it's it's a weird system which i don't think is entirely sort of um i don't think it's entirely beneficial for the final product both in the way that i think directors in tv get slightly sort of uh they don't get the the, the credit they deserve but they still creatively involved. Certainly in film, I think i've certainly been in positions where i've, I've written films and been like i should feel like i should be I like involved, right? You guys like still ask me stuff, but it's hence, just the way hence it is. your uh, hence your Mardi tweets to commode. Exactly, <laughs> hence my Mardi tweets to commode. Uh, although, but you know, and to be fair, he's kind of got a point. Like I would say, like Michael Pierce's encounter, like there was certainly a point where I was. I mean, I worked on that fucking script for like eight years, and then Michael came on, and I was like, I wasn't. I didn't didn't need me anymore. You know, like if, like I mm. say, like I didn't. I wasn't involved in like anything from that point, which is you know and have opinions on but it, it's just the way it's just the it's kind of just the way the industry works it's it's baffling but so like something with like with the cloverfield movie uh 
it's totally fine because you kind of go into it with your eyes open like it's like yeah. a massive you know no one's going to be going to see that film because i wrote it don't give a shit who wrote you know really like i'm really happy to go in and you know you meet jj abrams and you write your script and you give it to them and if they like it great and if it happens great like i've done my job you know it's not like this sort of you know you're not it's not like i haven't been like working on this since i was like 18 years old it's not like my story blah 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 it's it is it is what it is and you go with your eyes open and i like that process but if it's like a sort of more sort of uh i don't know like like uh, uh, something that you're more sort of strongly connected to it can be it can be difficult letting it go if it's a if it's, mm. if it's a film certainly yeah um before we dive into our, our spurs questions joe i wanted to talk to you just about the real diversity of your writing is something that really impresses me. And I was talking to my wife about this and you know, she was pointing out, you know, you've written, you've written queer stories, you've written stories about, you know, people in the military, the sci-fi stuff, there's, you know, stuff about different types of culture, different cultures. I, I take it, taking that, you know, that real diversity of storytelling is something really, really important to you. You don't want to just be you know, telling the same story or a story that's, you know your story if you like you want to be looking looking outward into the world right yeah definitely I mean I like doing different yeah I like telling different stories I whether you're sort of working different genres or also like you say like whether it's about the characters that you're telling the story through or where it's set or any of these things I think it's a really interesting uh it's like a sort of it's like a bit of a tightrope because you can definitely on the one hand, I don't think anyone sort of expects you to just, I like, I should just write stories about like 36 year old white men with two kids who support Tottenham or whatever, because that's like ridiculous. But at the same time, you know, something like with Giri Hadji, obviously it, it, it was Lon most predominantly, I think London set, but obviously there's Japanese elements to it. And we filmed in Tokyo and we had lots of Japanese characters. And I think it's interesting kind of finding a way through that. And the same with like My Days of Mercy, which is LGBT story about two women who fall in love. Um, and you've got a sort of, on the one hand, yeah, there's sort of the creative license to explore worlds that aren't your own. But at the same time, you are telling other people's stories and you are sort of treading on ground that isn't necessarily, uh, that you're not necessarily as sort of familiar with. And especially, I think, as sort of straight white guy sort of writing, you know, taking up a lot of place in, in the industry. I think you do have to be careful. And I, I definitely, you know, something like someone like Geary, I think you, you, there are probably things we would have done differently now or things we wouldn't do. Uh, uh, but it's, yeah, I, I, I think it's, I'm, in, I'm, I'm interested in sort of uh, as wide a sort of range of people as, mm. as possible. But I think it's, it's, it's certainly, I think it's, there's always like a really interesting conversation about who gets to write what and uh, who takes up what space and all that stuff, which I think is an ongoing, um, an ongoing conversation. But mm. uh, but yeah, I I I I I know people that write very you know I just like, well I just do horror movies or I just do like action movies and stuff. It's like there's nothing wrong with that. It's not for me. I've liked to try and you know do some sort of wider range as possible if I can. Have you have you felt that evolution in the last couple of years? You mentioned you know perhaps if you were tackling Geary now mm. in twenty you know going into twenty twenty two you'd do things differently. Has it been? Have you felt that in a really sort of pertinent way? Those changes and being hyper aware of having to be you know aware of a lot of different compelling things yeah definitely i mean if it's, it's sort of a, a, a fast growing um or fast evolving um industry in that way and you know it, in terms of how 
I think even just just like in the last five years, or even at the beginning when you know when Geary got greenlit to when we actually handed it in, I think the the, the kind of uh, the the world had changed and the, and the industry had changed. I think people are it's sort of I don't know people are sort of becoming more aware or more sort of um, open to ideas that weren't there before. There are there you know there are increasing sort of um, sort of schemes but just the sort of the idea of actually well who is you know who, who's who's working in this is you know who've you know have we got enough women enough gay people enough mm. people of color enough you know uh differently able people all, all of these questions um it has been there's some, been something of a reckoning within i think a lot of industries but certainly creative industries and, and it is you know it, it is fa- a fast moving sort of um uh, uh environment at, at the moment yeah definitely awesome um right let's change gears a little bit um and talk about our world famous spurs seven questions now joe um i'm very excited to hear your answers to these uh question one and quite fittingly for a dc showrunner this question um your spurs origin story please yeah. how did you end up with this um ridiculous football team on your back <laughs> i was so i was about um six or seven and I got, I was, I wanted to get into football. Like I was just sort of starting to get interested in it. Um, and we had like, I mean, I think I watched like Italia, uh, Football Italia or something was on Channel 4. And I was, I was starting to get like aware of it. And um, I wanted to, I, I wanted, I was looking for a team to support. And I don't know, for, for whatever reason, I, d- I didn't just choose my local team, which would have, I think would have been Crystal Palace at that time. Um I remember going to like my dad and being like, what, what team should I support? And he sort of did that thing. I'm like, he's trying to be helpful. He's not into football at all. But he was just like, well, just whoever you want. <laughs> so I was like, okay, well. So the first ever game I watched was the um, 1992 uh, European uh, Cup final between Denmark and Germany, uh, which Denmark won. <laughs> and for a while, I used to tell people I was a Denmark fan because that was like, well, I'll just support Denmark. <laughs> um, but, but that didn't. I was obviously, that was impractical. Um, so I needed a, I needed a domestic <laughs> team, and so I was sort of going on this like sort of journey, like trying to find who you know what what sort of team sort of spoke to me. And my my um, cousin lent me that he had this video of Italia ninety, like sort of VHS of like a recap of the whole tournament. And the moment that the moment that really grabbed me was the um, was the it's the, the semi final with the, the Gaza gets his yellow card and he's crying, and is that moment where Lineker does that, like, watch him, does that to, you know, to, to the bench. And there was something about that moment, like, between these two men. And it was like, it's not even, it wasn't, there's no football being played at that moment. Do you know what I mean? It, but it was something about it. It was like, it, it was like the camaraderie and the love and the tragedy of it all and this sort of glorious tragedy and sort of failure, <laughs> but also this sort of brilliant, glorious failure, the whole thing. It's there's so many sort of narratives going on in that moment. And it re- just really sort of gripped me. And, and so I was like, who are these two guys? Like, who are Lineker and Gaza? And I think even at that point, maybe they had both moved on from Tottenham or were just about to move on from Tottenham. Mm-hmm. But I had sort of asked around, obviously like pre-internet and that, and someone was like, oh, they, you know, they're Spurs players or whatever. And I sort of looked and I just sort of, I then found Tottenham on again another VHS. And my cousin's a Liverpool fan. He lent me the like Liverpool 1989 to 90 season 
And I looked, just looked for Tottenham on that video. And I think we, I don't know, it was like two all, and I'm sure they beat us. <laughs> but I remember. <laughs> but it was honestly, man, something about seeing that team, just even in those brief clips, I was like, yeah, this is it. These, the, mm. the, this is the one for me. Um, I mean, it's, I, I too, I think Italian 90 was my sort of gateway into football. And my, my dad's not a Spurs fan. He's a Millwall fan, actually. But my mum mm. sort of, band of my brother and I from ever doing the Millwall thing so I had to go looking for a team and it was exactly that sort of Gaza Lineker and it's amazing isn't it that 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 moment that you described that sort of glorious tragedy um you know coming so close but Mm. failing in such like remarkable circumstances has ended up you know pretty much defining As, yeah. as men, as men of you know, supporters of a certain age, it's basically been our experience of Spurs since that point. Yeah, that getting so oh, close, yeah. but failing in the most like preposterously tragic, <laughs> ridiculous circumstances that yeah. really has also probably armed us for life in quite a useful way. Perhaps. <laughs> yeah, it's created a, a hardened shell. Yeah, but no, it's true, man. Little did I know that would be the, the that would be it <laughs> for life. That feeling of oh shit. <laughs> oh <laughs> uh, and who's your favorite player of all time joe favorite player of all time i i sort of bounce around from different ones for a while you know sometimes like players just sort of for whatever reason like you just just really takes them i was a big nico crenshaw fan <laughs> for a long time. i really liked him and for i was a big sort of defoe guy i but to be honest i think it's probably got to be bail i mean it's a bit like saying like the beatles are your favorite band aren't you? but i just think there was just that moment. I remember see, I mean, I'm much more of a sort of armchair fan to but I remember seeing him live in like, a, I think it was like preseason and friendly against like Leighton Orient or something. And, you know, before he sort of kicked on and there was just something instantly you sort of saw this guy, oh, something about him. And that sort of narrative, is it, which is a little sort of similar to Harry Kane in a way. And like, he had that whole sort of, he couldn't, you know, he, he, he wasn't in the winning team for like, 200 games or something ridiculous and, like, so, and then and then he just exploded you know and he was just this you know incredible mercurial figure and you know he just gave you some of those some of the best moments and you know you know that that hat trick you know milan and taxi for mike on all these things you know the goal against west ham and a volley against stoke and yeah man he's just 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 yeah such a brilliant purely enjoyable player to watch that you've and he and he sort of intimately sort of tied in with some of the greatest sort of modern you know modern sort of memories of of, of the club and then of course you know he left and that was very sad and, and that for that again it's that you know when when players you love leave I think that's also like for some reason that also always sticks with you as as a mm. fan almost as much you know I remember Berbatov leaving or Keen leaving twice um you know and and and, and Bale going these players and I just remember being so sort of tied up in you know him and his identity anyway and then he came back and it was you know weird it was weird <laughs> yeah <laughs> weird sort um, of I mean I, I always I feel like you know we as Spurs fans we're, we're also completely um we're real suckers for the the glorious return of course that's part of our sort of makeup I think but yeah having him come back but no one sort of being there to see it was just agonizing ridiculous yeah uh, yeah it, again it felt very top them in a way it was like and even the way that you remember they it, 
you sort of knew he'd come back, but then the, the club just went silent for like mm. a day. And you were like, oh no, something's happened. It's fallen through. And I just remember just being like refreshing Twitter for like 24 hours. Trying. The whole thing was just fast. And then he was injured for like two months and he'd come on and, oh man. Oh, like, oh and then do you remember when he, and then he, when he did come on, it was came on for the first time. It was the West, that West Ham yeah, game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So it I mean, felt yeah. like it was, it was like cursed. Yeah. I don't know. It was such a mad time. I, I always think though, though, that period, that, those couple of days where it went from being a sort of Twitter rumour to gathering credibility to actually, oh my God, this is going to happen. Yeah. I, I will always hold those, and I think this is a very Spurs thing, to actually like treasure memories of a rumour coming to fruition, perhaps <laughs> over actual on-pitch yeah. on stuff. But that was a that was like a weirdly magical time. Maybe because also like we were, I, don't, I can't remember which lockdown we were perhaps in or not in yeah. or what, whatever yeah. the fuck was going on, but to have something like that that felt so magical actually happen, I will I will always remember. Yeah, weirdly. it was a bit it was a bit of good news in a in a very bleak time. Yeah. Um anyway, let's move on. Uh Bale's your favorite player of all time. Mm. Good. Got that one in the bag. This question is probably my favorite one. <laughs> your favorite your favorite terrible Spurs <laughs> player. So I think so my answer I I feel like I might be being slightly unfair to this guy because I don't He's one of those, I don't think he's a terrible player and he's done like, he's had a reasonably successful-ish career, but I, it didn't work for him with us. And I was, I for a long time really, really, really believed that this guy was just going to fucking unlock everything for us. And that, and, but like, and, and no one else thought this, but it was just me, I think. But um, Giovanni Dos Santos, <laughs> I just like, I was like, oh, we got him from Barcelona. He's like this quick, like he's skillful. He's I just like, fucking guy's gonna be great. This guy's gonna be absolutely fucking great. And he wasn't. <laughs> and we, you know. And I but I just I really and I never sort of I never lost faith. I never lost faith in him. You know, we we, we loaned him to you know Ipswich. Ipswich, yeah. And um, <laughs> uh, I don't know, somewhere else in Spain. If we brought him back now, there's a part of me that'd still be like. Good, good. Come on. He's like 32. I think he's playing in Mexico now. We brought him back now. I think he'd do a job. I still think he's going to do it. He just, um, I think there was, there's something, and he's had quite a good, you know, he did quite well for LA Galaxy. I think he's done, he'd done all right for Mexico. And I, but there was that whole thing about, I think Redknapp said he was like lazy and he always turned up late on, on Mondays and he was always slightly overweight, I think. And you could tell he's, but, I, I love, I love, uh, I, you know, I love a player. I love like a, a Tarat, you know, like a player. I love to see someone just waste their natural talent. <laughs> I love to see them throw it away, you know. I just, I really thought he was going to, yeah, change everything. It just, even, even his name, he just sounded like the sort of mercurial, you know, foreign ta talent that you can yeah. absolutely oh, yeah. put your, put your everything. I mean, Giovanni Dos Santos is like, if you had to sort of generate a player name to get <laughs> yeah. excited about, he, he was it. Um, and he had his moments, didn't he? There was those occasional flashes in like a yeah. right in a Europa yeah. qualifier or something, or an early round of a league. Cup yeah, yeah, he'd score against the Nesk. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. You'd be like, oh wow, this is it. It's finally happening. This, yeah. is, this is it now. And then, um, yeah, yeah. Uh, that's a good answer. Giovanni, I think, captures so much of what. Um, 
you know, and probably Red Rob as well. It's interesting you've uh, you know you've <laughs> yeah. you've commemorated Sir Guy's first career on on film now, which yeah, is man. someone that does not deserve that in the slightest. <laughs> but perhaps <laughs> perhaps depending on the character's nature, uh, yeah. maybe he does maybe he does deserve it. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Next question: um, Your match day ritual. Uh, so. You, you live down in Brighton now, Joe, so I imagine yes. getting to games is a wee bit tricky, etc. Yeah. How how do you like to enjoy or endure watching Spurs? <laughs> what's, what's, a, what's an experience? And, and also, you know, when you do go to games, what, how do you like to do it? Well, yeah, so I'm mostly a sort of uh, lazy armchair fan. Um, my match day ritual... The match, if it's again, if it's on the telly, uh, the match day ritual often the day begins by basically a sort of series of negotiations with with my other half who does not care for football or doesn't particularly want my. So I got two kids, I got a ten year old and a four year old, two boys, and the ten year old is like dangerously obsessed with Tottenham. Like it's like lives lives for them. I've like really done a number on him um, and loves football. The four year old take it or leave it. Actually, the four year old keeps saying he's going to support Arsenal because he's just. That's just his personality. Just stuff. Fuck with me. Uh, but so he's. Well, what would you do if he if he if he actually continues yeah. to push that sort of callous agenda? What yeah. would you do as a as a dad? Well, I'll love him less. <laughs> I'll just love him less. Quite what else right. can I do? <laughs> not, there'll be a clear. You know when people are like, oh, you can never choose your favourite kid. Well, solves that, doesn't it? <laughs> <laughs> um, we'll see. We'll have to see. I've bought him. Um, I've, uh, I'm, I'm trying to get him some sort of Spurs sort of memorabilia and stuff. Trying to sort of, I'm trying to push the agenda. I think um, he's still young. He can still be molded. Still yeah. ruin his life. Um, but the, so the match day experience is essentially building up to like, ah, oh, you know, the football's on later. So I hope, hope we could watch it. You know, so maybe have to go for a nice walk in the morning. Maybe have to do so. You know what I mean? Do something with the family to buy the opportunity <laughs> to then sit on the sofa watching it. But there's sort of. I do have one sort of uh, little ritual, which is I have a Tottenham mug and I have, it's a lucky mug, but I have discovered it's not lucky if I drink out of it. It's only lucky okay. if my girlfriend drinks out of it. But I can't, I can't go to her and say, here's your coffee, you have to drink out of the Spurs mug. And she doesn't like the Spurs mug because we've got lots of very nice sort of, you know, fancy sort of, you know, fancy mugs that she likes. But she doesn't like the Spurs mug, but I have to, I have to engineer a situation without her knowing it to get her to drink out the Spurs mug. And only then is it lucky. That's why I so happened like the other day against Liverpool, managed it to all draw. I think it speaks for itself. So I have to sort of do the thing with the mug. I have to can you can you talk me through how you did manage to essentially trick her into taking a sip from a piece of crockery she didn't want to sip from? <laughs> you just gotta get in there early, man. You got when it's got to be that, that early in the morning that you know when someone hands you a coffee, you drink it if it came in a bottle. Gotcha. Bus, you know what I mean? Okay, gotcha. <laughs> yeah, really, yeah. So it's just, <laughs> the, ele- the element of surprise. Okay, yes. good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Necessity. And um, yeah. <laughs> so there's that. And then but in the the sort of match day rituals, when I mean I've taken my kid a couple my son has such a warped view of what it is to go and watch Tottenham Live. And we've been like four or five times and we've won every time by like quite a significant margin. So we've, I think his first, the first thing was like the four nil against Everton. We went to see the five, four against Leicester. There was like a three nil against Crystal Palace. He's like, got, he, I, I think he is the lucky child. Maybe it's not the mug. Maybe it's him. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, there's no sort of, it's, uh, there's no sort of routine. It's just like get to London on time. <laughs> <laughs> try, try and get him to eat something try and get him to just calm down and stop you know <laughs> shouting um but yeah so we were going to go and see the brighton tottenham game because we got tickets to mm. see the brighton fans but 
I know my kids, he just talks constantly through the whole game as well, like getting him to not reveal that we were undercover Spurs fans would have been impossible. I mean, Brighton's a pretty chill out. I don't think we'd have got, you know, attacked or anything, but it would have been do you, um Do you still get affected massively if Spurs lose? Have you managed to sort of mellow over the years? Um, <clears throat> it does really affect me. It really affects my mood. Um, I mean, again, it depends on the context of the game and, like, and also the mm. context of like where we are. I think I was numb by the end of like Mourinho. <laughs> yeah. I was never, I never got numb for Nuno because he wasn't there long enough. So I was still sort of <laughs> apoplectic with rage. Yeah, man. It like, it, it, it yeah, it's kind of, it's a, it can, it can be a real, a, a real day, it can be a real week ruiner. I'm sort of worried about the sort of, if we do play just before Christmas and if we do play West Ham, I was like, oh, fuck, I just hate them. Um, so yeah, man, it, and it does, and then and then and then that sort of because obviously like my partner again, who's like it's just football, and you have to explain why a you've carved two hours out of the day to watch, and then why you're then in a filthy mood for the rest of the evening. <laughs> People don't understand; they don't care. It's I think it's worse as well, like being sort of sentient to why it's ridiculous. Yeah. It's, I, I I wish I was just like you know. I, I wasn't aware of how ludicrous I was being sometimes yeah, and yeah. I couldn't, I couldn't see my wife's point of view because obviously <laughs> I totally can, you know, see her like exasperation when I'm like harumphing around the house after a, you know, after a defeat yeah. on a Sunday after we've had a really lovely weekend and it's now up in smoke because, <laughs> you know, yeah. Harry, Harry Kane's not scored or whatever. So it's, it's sort of worse when you're like left to, you know, it's almost, it's almost out of body for me sometimes where I'm like, why are you, sulking yeah, like, you like, this? this is awful yeah but yeah this is this is our plight yeah you can't control it um speaking of plights um i'd like your well actually no that's not the right question for that terrible seg uh, <laughs> <laughs> i've jumped i've jumped a question um your favorite all-time spurs shirt joe which favorite is it spurs shirt. <laughs> this is a, a slight sort of adaptation of this question because it's it's my favourite Spurs shirt, but really it's my favourite Spurs socks, uh, if I could be okay. so bold. You the can, two, yeah. <laughs> 2008, do you remember those hooped socks? The stripes, yeah, yeah. I loved them. Everyone else hated them. Uh, I remember really loving that. And it was, um, and I had that, I had the, I had the, I was a full kit wanker. I did have the whole <laughs> kit. I didn't have the shorts, actually. I had the top and I had the socks. I didn't normally get the socks, but I just liked the socks. So I had them. And I just thought we looked great in them. And I used to wear, and the shirt's like a, it's a very basic home shirt. It was mansion, but it was that season yeah. where they had mansion. They had a bunch of other writing underneath it. They went the full like mansion.com gambling a bit or whatever mm. the whole thing. And it's just, it's pretty sort of plain shirt. But I used to play five aside in Islington and I used to wear that shirt and I would just, you know, get pelters on Upper Street, walk it like Thursday evenings, walk it. So I used to I get dogs abuse every Thursday night walking around uh, Upper Street in my, in my Spurs kit. But then, that was the kit that David Bentley scored that ridiculous goal against Arsenal. I remember watching in an Arsenal pub as well. And it was just, it was great. And again, David Bentley, he's, he was another of those players actually that I really thought was going to, was going to, he was a bit of a Giovanni de Santos for me. As well. so, oh yeah, brilliant. And he did that and it was brilliant. And, um, but I've had, I just have happy memories of that, of that kit and, and, and playing five aside in it and, and, and being able to, and being able to sort of get one back on my on my Arsenal friends, <laughs> amazing goal. Where do you stand on um, sort of the current climate for very jazzy away kits and planet exploding, I, you know, jazz? Yeah. 
I like it, man. Actually, I didn't think I would, but I really like the away kit. Um, I can see the so you can see the sort of you can you know what the meeting was when they decided that. Like my kid loves it, and like and mm. you know and his friends who support Tottenham and not many of them, but like a couple of them. And the kids, and younger people, basically sound old just saying. But you can imagine they sat there with a whiteboard, being like, "What do young people like?" And lots of colours. And uh, it does seem like it's sort of an attempt to sort of do something but i yeah i really like it i don't like the third kit i think that that's 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 a step too far yeah i don't know i don't know if we needed two sort of kid friendly yeah paint explosion kits like although i suppose the i suppose the home show is so straightforward this season that perhaps they felt they could go wild but well uh, yeah the home show is is really dull Last seasons, I really liked. I had that sort of blue. Oh, really? Shoulders. Yeah, oh. I was a fan. I don't know. I feel like maybe my 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 kit sort of <laughs> preferences are out of whack <laughs> with other people. <laughs> I really liked last seasons, but well, yeah, kids, I mean, you know, it's a very personal thing. I think you know, it's like asking someone for their, you know, what's your favorite? Who's your favorite band? It's entirely yeah. your preference. There's no wrong answer. And kits are yeah. the same as it. Um, the hoops. Oh, it's nice to remember those. I was sort of gutted because Arsenal had hoop socks this season, and I, I remembered our hoop socks and got a bit jealous. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. So maybe they're they're due a comeback. These, these so. things always come back round. Well, they can they can commemorate that that glorious season of one day Ramos being sacked and Redknapp yeah. saving us from relegation. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> beautiful times. Um, speaking of beautiful times, yes. much better seg actually. Um, your Spurs heaven. And your Spurs hell. So it doesn't have to be a specific game, it can just be an era, a period, a signing of a player, something to do mm-hmm. with a specific manager, sort of good and bad. Okay. So my Spurs heaven and my Spurs hell, well, they're sort of like connected games, uh, connected by the, by the scoreline. Um, so, my, and again, it's like, this is a bit like saying Bell's your favorite player. It's like quite, it's a really obvious Spurs heaven. Um, but the uh, semi-final, the Ajax game, the Friel, uh, the Friel draw, and I, w- I watched that in um, in a pub in Brixton, and um, <laughs> obviously it was going very badly at halftime, and I was out with some friends, and I I took some uh, <laughs> I took some mood enhancers <laughs> at halftime. <laughs> Can I describe? Um, <laughs> And they started to kick in around, <laughs> around <laughs> the time that we started scoring. And by the time the last goal went in, I was, I mean, I, I, I was on a different plane <laughs> of existence. <laughs> I literally, I will never, I, and I don't think I'll ever be that happy again. On a chemical level, I don't think I can be that happy again. <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, that's a pretty potent combination, right? I mean, how do you emulate that? You just, I don't know that you can. I don't think you ever can. The circumstances will almost certainly never come up again. <laughs> <laughs> and I just sort of, I mean, I was happy for days and I uh, couldn't sleep a lot, but like, I just, yeah, man. And it was, I mean, even in and of itself, like, and again, it's that feels such an obvious game, but it, there's no, what, what greater sort of moment could you have than that game? Even if you remove any sort of <laughs> outside elements, just like, well, euphoric. But uh, but it was and it was and it was yeah it was just out it was out, out of this world and and I've, you know even with the sort of the, the 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 kind of 
the disaster, oh, disaster, but the, you know, the final didn't go very well. Mm-hmm. I'm almost like, obviously, 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 it would have been brilliant, uh, unreal to have won it. But that semi-final, like, it, 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 it's that sort of thing of like, you know, when you're <laughs> when you when you're old and looking back on like being a fan of a certain team, that those moments in and of themselves, they still they're still worth it, even if they didn't. You know, people always show that was it Ledley King doing that amazing sliding challenge against mm. Chelsea is it I can't remember Robert, it? Yeah. yeah and then they scored from that corner right yeah but no one ever you know remembers look at that amazing Ledley King was fucking good uh, you know and it's a bit you know I think in years to come we'll probably look at the Lamella Rabona against Arsenal ah, brilliant and then forget that we, we lost that game um but yeah I mean so it's amazing it was just incredible and this sort of flip side of that the the Spurs hell was it where we've mentioned it already? But it was the it was the West Ham game, with uh, where we threw away, and it was what was it? We three nil, was it? We threw away that we've been playing so well, and Bale came on. I think I mean I could be, I have such a terrible memory in my head. I'm like, were they both three all games? I think they were. But Bale came on. I think his first kick was a. Uh, I think he came on and took a free kick with his first kick or something like that. And they did something, and it was yeah, and it was really like you said, that was a really tame free kick. And then he almost scored and he didn't. Mm. And then we threw it away. And it was just that. And it was, it was a pandemic on. There's still a pandemic on. <laughs> and it was just, oh man, it was really, um, that was a low point. <laughs> and it seemed like, I think, I know obviously the Mourinho era in general was pretty bleak. But I feel like up until that point, we hadn't been quite so ultra conservative and Mourinho didn't have the handbrake fully on but then after that he was like I cannot trust these morons we're just going to have to like stick sort of nine men behind the ball have Son and Kane up front and just hope that they can do something and it just became so dull almost overnight and I sort of understood because that was like the most ridiculous sort of 10 minutes of like amateur hour football I've ever seen Spurs play I think but um yeah, it seemed to sort of then we just became this like really dull team that was always, and then it was always going to end badly. It was just, and then it was a sort of, I can't remember if that was before or after sort of the, uh, you know, sort of that we'd, we, we'd go one all up against like Palace and Wolves and then, you know, mm. equalise the line. And it was, that was the worst thing where you were dreading scoring a goal <laughs> because you knew yeah. you were going to kill the game. Yeah, bad times. Um, that takes me through to the last of our seven questions. Where are you with Spurs right now, Joe? I, I mean, I, I, I feel like probably a lot of people, I feel really good at the moment. I feel really, um, uh, probably not even that cautiously optimistic, hubristically optimistic. <laughs> Come back and, and bite me. Um, it's, I, I mean, I, I, you know, we've got an incredible manager and I think you've seen like, you know, you've seen what the difference of good coaching has done to players. A, a lot of people ha- ha- have written off, you know, I mean, Harry Winks just, you know, was, was brilliant against Liverpool, you know, and you, you, you players like, like, like him, um, uh, <laughs> like um, the, Eric Dyer, you know, yeah. has been immense and, 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 you know, and, and it's so, I mean, it's still sort of early days and it's been a very, uh, you know, interrupted and we've missed, you know, had to postpone a lot of games and, and, and we'll see what happens. But it does seem like you can see the, the, the footprint of, of something going forward. Like, you know, he, this, the quality of coaching with these players, they're good 
players maybe they're maybe they you know we still you know maybe they still need to be sold or whatever but you know delhi or you know just being you know you see that sort of flashes of, of what they were so i feel really optimistic you know i i, I don't know I, I i feel like we have definitely put ourselves in 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 the place where where top four doesn't feel you know laughable which it did uh just a couple of weeks ago so it's just nice to see a plan isn't it just actually watching a spurs team where you can see a clear idea of what's supposed to happen whereas i feel like we've had two years of just sort of sleepwalking through games and or the only plan being like you say score and then mm. hope that you don't crumble at the last minute away at wolves or whatever so actually yeah. seeing yeah player improvement and an actual formation that seems to work it's kind of incredible and also just the you know it's it's cliche to talk about this with content thing but just that injection of passion and enthusiasm is infectious. And I think, you know, the fans are responding to almost being sort of like, you know, we've been given a kick up the arse, I think, by having this sort of guy here where, you know, we do have this sort of natural, um, you know, kind of nihilistic view, view of Spurs matches a lot of the time. And I think, I think I always get the impression that he can sense that and he's like, yeah. stop it. Like, stop this whole like, oh, we'll concede in the last minute because yeah, yeah. it's Spurs. Like, I think he he knows it's his job to almost like sort of build fans into a different type of fan as well, if if that's at all possible. Yeah, this is changing the whole sort of culture at the club, mm. at sort of all, at all levels. Yeah, no, definitely. Yeah, he's not he's he's not there to to let in last minute equalizers. And you see with the with that you know conference league game that we, that we lost, like you just got the sense that he was just like, no, this is, this isn't going to happen. Like, get this out of your system yeah. now. Yeah, it's just not what he does. So, that yeah, I hope so. Yeah, fingers crossed. Um, awesome. Those are the seven questions. The last question we ask everyone, Joe, um, is for a culture recommendation from you. Um, it can be anything: an album, a TV show, a film, a book, an exhibition, a restaurant you've enjoyed, anything at all. So, what you got for us? A culture recommendation is a show called Landscapers on Sky, which is, uh, well, full disclosure, it's directed and made by friends of mine. But uh, it was directed by Will Sharp, who played Rodney in Gary Hadji, and it's the same producers and all that. But it's a really incredible um, piece of work, um, Olivia Coleman and David Fulis. Um, and, it's a, and it's a sort of, it's an exploration of a, of a, of a true crime um a true crime story these these this this couple that were, were arrested for the that that the character that live common place her parents were um found buried in the in the back garden and 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 they were arrested and charged with um with the killing of at least one of them um but it's an exploration of that but it's also an exploration of just how we interact with memory and truth and the nature of the past and how we tell true crime stories and our interest in them and all this stuff like in for formulae formulae i don't know is that the word i want <laughs> it's it's made in a really interesting way the the format of it is it fascinating he uses different you know cameras and aspect ratios and 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 uh these techniques building sets that are, you, you you know that you're looking at a set or sometimes you do sometimes you don't and the, the sound is everything is very um it's very not well experimental makes it sound like it's not sort of structured it then knows exactly what it's doing but it's a very um it's just a very uh altered and um confident piece of work so that's um that's on sky atlantic i think or now tv mm. yeah 
it's um it's really beautiful isn't it i wasn't expecting to be quite so moved by it i wasn't expecting to be just left really sort of taking in such beautiful like beautiful photography and like you say the different aspect ratios the different the ways it sort of harks back to old periods of filmmaking and you know the, the couple's obsession with sort of old hollywood etc in french film is is amazing um yeah, really recommend it. And I think a lot of people perhaps go into it expecting one thing. Mm. Probably it sort of takes ten minutes to sort of wrap your head around that yeah. you're watching something altogether very different. But um yeah, Will has no business being that talented a filmmaker and oh. actor. It's just disgusting. <laughs> no, it's 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 un it's unreasonable. He's <laughs> just a really nice guy as well. It's just sort of yeah, sickening. <laughs> um a good recommendation. I would yeah, also gets mine. Um, Joe, that was wonderful. Thank you so much for answering all my um, slightly sycophantic Gary Hadji questions, um, <laughs> all of my Spurs questions that we have, um, and being such good company. I really enjoyed talking to you. Thank you ever so much for your time. Um, and yeah, best of luck with what sounds like a really thrilling 2022 as well. We're looking forward to all that work. Thanks, man. Pleasure. Thanks for having me. Very welcome. Um, that was a Joe Barton Hometown Glory special episode. Um, I'm Charlie, and thank you very much for tuning in. Goodbye. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.